let's open our Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, the scripture that was read in the scripture reading. I've got a talk to share with you, a message to share with you this morning that has been uh, deeply ingrained in my soul. The title there on the screen is called Why Deadly Natural Disasters. We have a lot to talk about. This is a time when God wants his people to wake up, to be awake to what is happening around us and what's coming. So let's bow our heads and let's pray for the Lord's blessing as we launch in to this very, very important subject. Dear Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus Christ, our heavenly king who sits upon his throne in the heavenly sanctuary and who will soon descend with terrific majesty, incomprehensible glory is going to surround this entire planet when Jesus returns. And we are in the closing hours of history and we pray for your blessing as we look at the Bible and look at what's happening around us and what's coming and may we find refuge in the loving arms of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, there you see uh, on the screen, why deadly natural disasters? It's no secret that they are occurring all around us. All you have to do is turn on Fox News, turn on CNN, look on the internet, and you hear of another major catastrophe that's happened somewhere in the world. Well, what I'm gonna share with you this morning is why these things are happening. And I'm gonna give you some shocking information that you will not learn most likely on TV from the major networks. Uh, here's a picture of some of the devastation of a terrible host of tornadoes that went through the Dallas-Fort Worth area last December. I don't know if you've heard about this or not, you probably have. My wife and I, Kristen, we used to live in Fort Worth. We drove back and forth from Fort Worth to Dallas different times and that whole area during the weekend of Christmas last year was just devastated by all of these different tornadoes. Uh, it was, it's just terrible to think about all these kids, you know, excited about Christmas and opening their presents and all of a sudden, wham, these disasters, these tornadoes hit. Somewhere around 1,500 structures were destroyed. Can you imagine seeing a tornado like that coming your way? You know, you just almost think, where, where do you go? Where do you hide? What do you do if something like that were to, to hit? Uh, here's another picture again of some of the devastation that has hit that area. Now it's not just tornadoes, fires. <clears throat> just a couple weeks ago I was in California holding a series of meetings and California has been in the midst of practically a five-year drought. Uh, they are just thirsty for water and there have been terrible fires that have just ravaged that state. And of course, it's not just California. There's fires that have been happening in many different places. How many of you remember when the Okanag Okanagan fire hit not too far from us? And did you see the smoke? Could you smell the smoke coming this direction? We certainly could uh, in Priest River. So fires, they are, here's a, the picture of the devastation of, of the Okana Okanagan fire. Uh, look at that, all these trees just, just burned up. Uh, here's another slide about floods. These are just little snapshots of flooding that has taken place in the last so many years 
in many different parts of the world. The rain comes down, the water comes up, the dams break, uh, rivers overflow. Take a look at this picture. Look at that. How'd you like to see that coming your way? You know, how do you get out, how do you get out of the way when something like that is uh, rolling down the street? Hurricanes. Here's a headline. Hurricane Patricia's winds reached record 215 miles per hour. Now that is a very fast wind, wouldn't you say? Uh, it, it's just amazing. 10,000 homes were destroyed as a result of this hurricane. This was last October. There's an aerial picture of the hurricane. So whether it's uh, you know, fires or floods or tornadoes or hurricanes, the list just goes on and on and on. And I haven't mentioned earthquakes yet, but uh, there was just an earthquake just a couple days ago off the island of Sumatra, a big earthquake, just like a similar one, 9.2 uh, years ago that killed somewhere around 200 to 300,000 people. Now, thankfully, the recent one didn't do that. Uh, this is a picture of an earthquake that hit in Taiwan just about a month ago as I was beginning to write this talk. I went online and, and it, just before I, I gave this talk the very first time on a Sabbath, the very day before I gave the message, there was the major headline about this huge building that collapsed in Taiwan and the rescue efforts were going on. And I don't know if you remember this or if any of you prayed for those uh, rescue efforts, but you know, just to think about people trapped underneath this building, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just awful. So these things have been going on for a long time and they are increasing. Hurricanes, fires, floods, earthquakes, tornadoes. And so the big question a lot of people ask and we need to ask is, what's going on? Why is this happening? Is this just, is this just normal, uh, fair for what's happening down here on earth? Is there no rhyme or reason to any of this? Is this just, you know, the earth just spasming and it's gonna continue to do this forever and ever? Uh, is this what's going on or is there something else happening? Well, there's a lot of theories out there among the scientific community and observers of the natural world and they are coming up with different ideas as to why these things are happening. Perhaps the biggest theory right now is something called climate change. Have you heard of climate change? Uh, it's the theory that humanity is polluting the environment so heavily because we're so selfish and capitalistic that all of our carbon emissions and the pollution and the exhaust from cars are going up into the sky. They're affecting the ozone layer. They're creating something called global warming and that is affecting the environment and the systems of the earth which is contributing to the disasters. Here's uh, an article here, the headline there says, Natural Disaster Trends Report Cites Link to Climate Change Footprint. And there's a lot of articles like this. Here's another one. This is from The Guardian, Eight Ways Climate Change is Making the World More Dangerous. It says disasters including storms, floods, and heat waves have increased five-fold since the 1970s, a UN study has found. And they are connecting this also to man-made climate change. Here's another one from National Geographic. Half of weather disasters linked to climate change 
And here's, uh, here's one more. Natural disasters linked to climate change, says UN climate chief. So this is, a, this is one of the conclusions, or this is one of the interpretations of what's going on. Now, it's interesting, especially in the light of Bible prophecy, that as people are identifying climate change as part of the problem, they're also proposing solutions to the problem. And one of the solutions that is being put forth by the Vatican, by Pope Francis in his encyclical on climate change that came out last June that is being read by politicians and scientists and world leaders around the globe. Here's an article in The Guardian, and it says here, Slow Sunday, the simple solution to global warming. And it's talking about the climate change campaign. Now notice this, if you can read this. Using Sunday as a day of rest and renewal would be good for our personal health as well as the health of the planet. So the theory is that if we just, if all the stores were closed on Sunday all around the world, just think of all the carbon emissions that would stop going up into the environment. Just think of uh, how much less pollution, how much less uh, global warming would take place because humanity's coming together, we're all doing our part, we're all keeping Sunday together, and if Sunday was uh, the, day, the global day of rest, then this would affect climate change, this would affect global warming, and this would affect the amount of natural disasters that are hitting this planet and causing so much damage. That's the theory. Can you see Bible prophecy lining up in front of your eyes? I tell you what God has told us in the Bible about what is coming and what is in the book, The Great Controversy, that so many of us have read. Uh, these things are happening right in front of us. The stage is, is set. Uh, enforcing Sunday is not a good solution to a global crisis. It is a false solution. It is not going to stop the increase of natural disasters. And one reason is, is because it misinterprets the reason for those disasters. It doesn't understand why these disasters are actually coming to this world. So what is the reason? What is the, what is the real reason why these things are taking place? Is there a, a biblical explanation that we can put our finger on and we can say this is the reason why these things are happening. I believe that there is. I believe the answers are in God's book. So let's take a look and let's see if we can find out. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 19. Let's take a look at the Bible. I have come through many struggles in my life. I've been a Christian and a Seventh-day Adventist for 36 years, and I have never been more deeply convicted that the Bible is the Word of God. Probably most of the issues that people are dealing with today are affected by that one issue. We need to have confidence in God's book. We need to have confidence in the sure word of prophecy. We need to have confidence in what he says. And he has a lot to say about this subject. So let's look at Jeremiah chapter 6, and let's look at verse 19. We read this, uh, this was read during the scripture reading. Verse 19, God speaks, and he says, what's the first word? He says, hear, 
In other words, listen. Listen, O earth. Here is God from the heavens speaking down to the earth and appealing to people on the earth to listen to what he has to say. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts. And here's the reason for the calamity. Because they have not heeded my words. They're not listening to me, God says. And the second reason is, nor my law. But they have rejected it. In this verse, God links calamities that are going to come with a refusal to listen to what he has to say and continued, persistent, willful rejection of his law. That's what he does. And that's what the Bible says. He links, he links these things together. Now, this is not the only place that he does this. He does this in numerous other scriptures. Turn to Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4 is a big one. Hosea chapter 4 is talking about what was happening in ancient Israel. And in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11, Paul said that whatever happened in those ancient times was written down so that we can learn, especially the people that are living before the end of the world. And there's some big lessons for us in Hosea chapter 4. Hosea 4, let's start with the first verse. The Bible says again, hear, just like Jeremiah, hear, O earth, hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no mercy, there is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Does that sound like the land today? Now then notice it says, by swearing. Now I'm going to ask uh, those of you that are kids or parents, who's been studying the Ten Commandments? Which one of the Ten Commandments specifically talks about swearing or taking the Lord's name in vain? Which one is that? Is it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or ten? Who wants to be brave and shout out a number? Anybody? No, it's not number one. It's number three, that's right. Whoever said that got an A+. Plus. It's, an, it's the third commandment. Talks about, uh, forbids swearing and taking God's name in vain. Now the next one there is lying. Okay, who's next? Who wants to take a chance? Which commandment talks about lying or not bearing false witness against your neighbor? Do I hear any? Eight, nope, sorry. It's number nine, that's right. Number nine says, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Okay, so swearing is the third commandment, lying is the ninth commandment. The next one is killing. Which commandment says, you shall not kill? No, it's not seven. It's six, that's right, number six, very good. Okay, number six says, you shall not kill. The next one is stealing. Which commandment says, don't steal, you shall not steal? No, not 10. It's number eight, that's right, number eight. Okay, the next one there says, or committing adultery. Which commandment is that talking about? 
Number seven, that's right. I didn't hear anybody give the wrong answer on that one. Very good. Okay, so you can see clearly we've got the third commandment, the ninth commandment, the sixth commandment, the eighth commandment, the seventh commandment, and then it says they break all restraint, which means that, that the people back then, they didn't want anybody telling them what to do. They don't want any kind of uh, restriction on their freedom. They want to do whatever they want to do. And so based on that, uh, they're just breaking God's law left and right. They're breaking commandment after commandment after commandment after commandment, and they're not listening to what the Lord has to say. They break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Now, verse 3 says, therefore. In other words, because the people have been breaking the Ten Commandments again and again and again, God says, therefore, the land will mourn. The land will be affected. And everyone who dwells there will waste away with the beasts of the field and with the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. Even they will be taken away. So humanity's breaking of the Ten Commandments and going against God is going to even affect the environment, isn't it? It's going to affect the land. It's going to affect the animals. It's going to affect the fish. It's going to affect the birds. Now then if you go down to verse 6, the Lord says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They, they, they don't know the real reason why these things are happening. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priest to me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Now notice verse 9. Verse 9 says, it shall be like people, like priests, so I will punish them for their ways, and I will reward them for their deeds. Now, if you just let the Bible speak for itself, what it's telling us is that, that these calamities and uh, disasters and the affecting of the environment are ultimately rooted not because human beings are driving cars on Sunday. That's not the reason. It's not because, now I know that man is polluting the environment, that's true. Uh, there's no doubt that people are selfish, that there is a lot of problems and that humanity is probably to some extent possibly affecting the environment. But the ultimate underlying reason based on the Bible is that there is widespread willful breaking of the Ten Commandments. That's what God says. And it's not the only place he says this. He says this in other places too. Uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 13, verse 11. Isaiah 13, 11. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 11. And I really believe we need to be studying the Ten Commandments. I was glad to hear a lot of right answers in this church, a few wrong answers. Uh, my wife and I, we have made it a special point to teach our kids the Ten Commandments. We've had them, at one point, we had them memorize Exodus 20, verses 1 to 17, and, and one time they actually stood up in church. The two of them, Seth is 11, Abby is 8, and the two of them went down top to bottom and repeated those Ten Commandments word for word. And I'll admit... I'll confess that I was a little bit uh, proud of my kids 
when they did that. God wants us to know the Ten Commandments. He wants us to learn them. He wants us to study them. He wants his law to be in our hearts. And really, when you look at it and look at other verses, God's law is what's good for us. Can you imagine what the world would be like if there was no stealing, no lying, no adultery, if there was no, uh, no murder, if nobody was taking God's name in vain, if everybody honored, if all kids honored their parents, if everybody put God first, now would that be a bad thing or a good thing? Would the world be a better place or a worse place? I mean, just you know, think about it. There'd be no jails, there'd be no need for policemen, uh, there would be, I mean, the world would be totally different. There'd be no ISIS, there'd be no broken homes because of uh, fathers and mothers not being faithful to each other. It would be a different, it'd be a different world. And the good news is that one of these days, it's going to be that way. God is planning on getting rid of sin. He's gonna get rid of evil. He's gonna get rid of lying. He's gonna get rid of adultery. He's gonna get rid of murder. He's gonna get rid of idolatry. He's gonna get rid of all of this. And he's gonna get rid of it, not because he's, a, he's bad, but because he's good. He's good and he wants to get rid of evil. Look at Isaiah chapter 13, verse 11. <clears throat> And I'll put that verse on the screen too. It's so significant. The Bible says, God says, I will, and what's that next word? He said, I will punish the world for its evil. See that? Now that verse may not be politically correct. Some people may not like that verse. That's what God says. God says he's gonna punish the world for its evil of breaking the 10 commandments. Now let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, this word punish, I've done a lot of thinking about this, I've researched this, I've looked at different Bible verses and I've come to the conclusion that God punishes in different ways, not just one way. Uh, one way, the first way, is that he simply allows sin to run its course. He lets just sin go on and do what it does and create the, the havoc and the, the disasters in people's lives and on the earth. So he just doesn't, you know, stop sin from, from doing bad things. And that's one of the ways he punishes is by allowing sin to run its course. The second way is that he allows, if people reject God long enough, he will allow the devil to work his will, his uh, deadly will upon humanity. We can see examples of this in the book of Job. In Job chapter one, remember the story where Satan came up to a heavenly council meeting and Satan and God had a dialogue about Job. God said, have you seen my servant Job? Job is a righteous man, he's a blameless man. He's down there on the earth, but he's not following you. And the devil said, ah, well, Lord, that's, uh, that's just because you bless him. You just bless him. If you'd stop protecting him and stop blessing him and give me a chance to get at him, then we'll see how devoted he is to you. 
You know, I wonder how we do with such a, so a test like that. How would you do if the Lord said, all right, Satan, I'll give you some, uh, some room to go at him, and then we'll see if he passes the test, if he still loves me, if he still trusts me, if he still believes in me. And so the devil went forth from the presence of the Lord. And when you read Job chapter 1, there was a great fire, a great fire that destroyed a lot of Job's property. And then there was also a great wind, like a tornado, that hit one of the houses. And even some of his family members were killed. And we know this wasn't the Lord doing this, right? It was the devil doing it. The devil sent the fire. The devil sent the, the great wind. And when you read the book, the book, The Great Controversy, it's also clear, The Great Controversy says that Satan has been studying in the laboratories of nature. And he knows how to create these disasters. He knows how to do it. So that's another way that God punishes if people reject his mercy and his grace long enough, he will withdraw his protection and he will let the devil do his work. The third way that God punishes is he does it directly. Although he often uses the agencies of nature in that punishment. And we can see this in many ways in the Bible. He did this in the days of Noah, didn't he? The earth was so wicked, God gave the earth 120 years, people 120 years to turn around from their course of sin. God is not just just, but he's extremely merciful. And he gave the people before the flood a warning for 120 years. But then he said, he said, I'm gonna destroy the earth. I'm gonna, I will destroy man whom I have created, the Lord said, from the face of the earth. And he did it, he finally did it, and he did it not, not by sending a hand down from the sky, but he did it through nature. He did it through sending rain. Little by little, the rain started dropping, and then it came in torrents, and finally the whole world was underwater. So God used the rain to destroy the old world. He used fire to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their wickedness. And they were wicked, wicked, wicked cities. And God said, the Bible says that the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah fire and brimstone from heaven and he destroyed them. He overthrew those cities. He did it. He sent the rain. He sent the fire. Uh, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram in the Old Testament, they refused to submit to God's rightful authority through Moses God's plan, they rebelled against God's leaders, God's leadership, and eventually after a period of mercy, the Bible says that the earth opened up, which sounds like a big earthquake, the earth just opened up, and what happened to Korah, Dathan, and Abiram? It swallowed them up, that's right, it swallowed them up and they went down under the ground. Now all of these, whether it's sin running its course, whether it's God allowing the devil to do damage, or whether it's God sending judgments through rain, fire, or earthquake, all of these can biblically be classified as judgments. They can all be biblically classified as God, as the scripture here says, I will punish 
the world for its evil. Now, there's something else I wanna really stress when you look at this text. There's a big issue in that verse. When you look at that verse, you tell me who is evil. Is it God or is it the world? Who's the evil one? Well, yeah, we know the devil. The devil is ultimately the, the main source of evil. But that verse says, God says, I will punish the world for its evil. See, the world is evil. So the question is, is God still good if he, as a good God, punishes a world because of the evil that it's doing? Now, a lot of people have a hard time with this verse, and they say, no, no, no. Uh, if God actually does that, if he punishes the world for its evil, then God is evil. God's the bad guy. Is that true? Is God the bad guy? Or is God good? And, and you know, I'm t I tell you, this is such a big, important issue for all of us to, to settle in our minds, because this is one of the biggest issues that the world is facing and this is the very issue that turned Lucifer into a devil. Lucifer decided a long, long time ago as a perfect being, he was a perfect being, he came to the conclusion that God was not good. And that was a fatal mistake on his part. Now God gave him an opportunity to turn around because the Bible says God is not just just but he's also merciful and God was merciful with Lucifer. Uh, it says in the book Patriarchs and Prophets that the Lord bore long with Lucifer. Long time in heaven. He gave him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. He pleaded with him. He worked with him. In fact there's one place in Patriarchs and Prophets where it says through ways that only infinite love and wisdom could devise. It says Lucifer was made to see his error. He was made to understand that if he continues to go against God, the result is gonna be disaster. Disaster for him, disaster for the other angels, disaster for anybody. There is no, no good thing can come from rebelling against the creator of all life. But Lucifer wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen and he finally settled into his conclusion that God was bad and that he was good. And that resulted in a war. There was a war in heaven. The Bible says in uh, Revelation chapter 12 that, that Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But Lucifer lost that war, and he was, he was kicked out of heaven. Now let me ask you, did Lucifer just, did he leave heaven on his own? Did he just drop out of the, of the heavenly realms? No, he was, he was forced out. He was forced out. Now was that a bad thing for God to do, or a good thing? What do you think? It was a good thing. And when you really think about it and when you really grasp this and understand this, Lucifer was, a, was like a cancer cell in the, in the universe. 
Lucifer had brought evil into the midst of God's universe of love. Uh, Lucifer rebelled against the, the just and loving authority of God himself. And he's the one that became evil. It wasn't God. It was Lucifer. And so God kicked him out. God kicked him out. God destroyed the world in the days of Noah. God sent fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah. God opened the ground and swallowed Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And one of these days, God is going to get rid of all sin. He's going to get rid of it all. And he's going to do that not because he's bad, but because he's good. And he doesn't want any more sin or suffering in his universe. He doesn't want any more children crying. He doesn't want people dying with fourth stage melanoma. He doesn't want any cancer. He doesn't want any ISIS. He doesn't want any child abuse. He doesn't want any murder, lying, adultery, stealing. He doesn't want any of these things in his universe because these things are all very, very bad. Get it? Do you understand that point? We've got to, we all have to deal with this. We all have to understand this and get this point. The Bible says, God says, I will punish the world for its evil. And as we look around us and as we see the increase of earthquakes, fires, floods, tornadoes, and all of these kind of things, we are seeing Biblically speaking, we are seeing judgments from God falling upon a world that has become a very, very evil world. That's what we're seeing. And it's a, it's a tragedy of sin. Sin is messy. You know, it's messy down here. It's a tragedy of sin that the innocent often suffer along with the guilty. That that's the way it is. It's a tragedy in this world that babies who are innocent are aborted. It's a tragedy in this world uh, that, that little kids who haven't done bad things get cancer or have uh, you know, all kinds of diseases. This is, this is because of sin. This is the outworking of sin. It's the outworking of a planet that is led by a devil that has chosen to go against the good and just and holy law of God. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing the outworking of the sin principle and of Lucifer's ways of the devil's activity. Now, I want to show you a quotation here that goes right along with this. This is uh, from Review and Herald, November 17, 1910. Notice this carefully. It says, calamities are becoming more and more frequent, and each report of calamity by land or sea is a testimony to the fact that the end of all things is near. The world is filled with iniquity, and the Lord is punishing it for its wickedness. That's what's happening. 
Just like uh, the Bible says, I will punish the world for its evil. And God is hoping that judgments, that as they fall, it will lead people to repentance. He's hoping that, that people will hear and will listen. And when they see these disasters, that this will be a wake-up call. It'll be a wake-up call to our souls that the world is in the final spasms of the great controversy between Christ and Satan and that God is getting closer and closer and closer to the point where he's gonna wipe out all evil forever. He's gonna get rid of it entirely. The Lord is punishing it for its wickedness. As crimes and iniquities increase, these judgments will become more frequent until the time shall come when the earth shall no more cover her slain. That's Review and Herald, November 17, 1910. Uh, Whitehorse Media, our ministry, has actually put together a flyer. It's brand new, and uh, Jaime's back there. Jaime's been recently hired by our ministry, and he's uh, done a great job in putting together the graphics. You can't really see this here, but it's called The Coming Judgments of God. And it not only talks about justice and all the things that we're talking about, but it also talks about mercy, which I'm gonna end with in just a few minutes. I'm not done yet. But anyway, we've got a lot of these. They're hot off the press. This is designed to be shared with people. And we've got, I've got two stacks of them right there on this table in front of me. And if you'd like, after my talk, to come up and pick some of these up and give them away, you're welcome to do that. We just had about 10,000 of these printed, and we expect to print a lot more. Now back to the screen. If you look at that quotation there, it says the time is gonna come when the earth shall no more cover her slain. This is actually a, a direct quotation from the Bible. It's from Isaiah chapter 26, verses 20 and 21. So let's go there. When the Bible says the earth will not cover her slain anymore. I think what that means is that when the final spasm occurs and the earth shakes and the whole planet falls apart, even the, the cemeteries around the world are gonna open up and people's bodies will come out and the, those who have been slain or died in war or whatever else, they are going to be exposed. And this is an amazing passage. In verse 20, Isaiah 26, verse 20. And I, I hope that you will listen very carefully to these words and take them to your heart. Take them right into your soul. Isaiah 26, verse 20. God says, come, my people. Just like Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God is appealing to his people to come to him. Come, my people, enter your chambers. And I did a little bit of research on this uh, in the spirit of prophecy. Chambers, she applies that to the protection of Jesus Christ and holy angels. That's what it is. Come, my people, and enter your chambers. Shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord is coming 
out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth shall disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. Now you probably won't hear uh, Megyn Kelly quoting this text on Fox News. You probably won't hear Bill O'Reilly talking about it. You probably won't hear Donald Trump speaking about it. Probably not gonna hear any major politician, any news network. You hardly hear preachers talk about this. But the Bible says that God is calling his people to come in to his protection until the indignation against sin is over, until it's all, all over. Just like God called Noah to get into the ark and those that were willing to get into the ark until the flood, until after the flood came, God is calling us. Again, verse 21 says, behold, the Lord is coming out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. Brothers and sisters, this is what's on the horizon. What's on the horizon is not humanity solving its problems by enforcing Sunday so that we can affect the environment and uh, affect the ozone layer and decrease global warming so that these disasters will stop happening. It's not gonna happen that way. As long as humanity continues to break the Ten Commandments, including the Seventh-day Sabbath, these judgments are going to increase. There it is right there. It says these judgments will become more frequent and they are going to increase so we can expect to see more disasters in the days ahead. And sometimes I tell people this, that the bad news is that it's gonna get worse, it's gonna get worse in the days ahead. But the good news is that after it gets bad, it's gonna get really good, and it's gonna be so good that we can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. And I, and I have a feeling, I think, you know, I think of Charles, if the Lord doesn't heal him, and even if he does, whether he heals him or whether he doesn't, Charles is gonna really appreciate having a body free from cancer. He's gonna be so excited one of these days to have a perfect body. He has learned what, to some extent, he has come closer to Jesus and he can appreciate more Christ's sufferings on his behalf because he has gone through this experience. One of these days, all these things are going to be gone. And as we are moving into the final scenes, I've got just a, a, one more text. Turn to Isaiah chapter 32, verse two. As we move into the final scenes, God wants us to understand that he is getting ready to come. And all these natural disasters are warnings about what's coming. And what's coming is much bigger than anything we've seen. Much bigger. And God is speaking to humanity. He's speaking to the world. He says, hear, O earth, listen to me. These things are happening because human beings have not listened to his words. And they've been breaking his law. That's how the whole thing started in heaven. Lucifer rebelled against God, thought he was good and God was bad. And that's how he became a devil and will become devils that way too. If we settle into the idea that God is bad and that we're good or that people are good 
You know, we're gonna be acting just like Lucifer. We're just like Satan. And that is a dead end. If you don't believe it's a dead end, look at the devil. It doesn't make sense to rebel against God. It doesn't make sense to blame the Lord for the problems of this world. God is not responsible for sin. And that's part of the whole judgment, the final judgment. At the very end, God will be seen as absolutely, totally innocent from all the problems in this world. There will be not one ounce of blame that will come upon him. He has been absolutely and perfectly good. Now here's a passage, and I wanna finish with this and I'll tell you a little story, and then we'll, have, we'll pray. This is a, uh, a slide that, it's not a pretty slide, but it's real. You know, the Bible, we already read the verse where God says, I will punish the world for its evil, right? God is so good that he has decided that before he punishes the world for its evil, that he would become a human, that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would have little tiny hands and little tiny feet and little eyes and a little nose and a little mouth and become a human being and live in this world. And at the end of 33 years of, of living and showing people how wonderful of a character can be developed if we keep the Ten Commandments and if we love God with our whole heart and love our neighbor as ourselves, at the end of that life, what Jesus finally did was he agonized and he struggled and he wrestled with his father and he chose in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross to take the evil of the world into his own mind and into his own heart and to experience that punishment himself. God doesn't punish anyone for anything that he hasn't already endured that punishment himself. Jesus took that evil on the cross when he gave his life. How much more could he do when the whole world at the, at the end of the millennium you know, stands there and tries to challenge God and say, you're bad, it's not us, it's you, then what God will do is he'll present the cross. And every mouth will be stopped. And every knee will bow. Even the devil, even Lucifer himself, will bow down and acknowledge that God is good. God is good and it is sin that is bad. Isaiah 32 verse Two. This verse says, a man will be as a hiding place from the wind, a cover from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. The Bible says that a man will become a place of refuge. 
A man will be a shelter in the time of storm. Come, my people, God says. Come into your chambers. Come into, come into a relationship with this man. And this man is who? This man is Jesus. Jesus is our refuge. Jesus is our place of safety. When all blank breaks loose, if you know what I mean, when everything goes crazy and the mountains sink and the islands disappear and the heavens crack open with a, like a scroll and this huge earthquake comes and devastates the planet and everything falls apart, those who have found a refuge in Jesus will be secure forever. Now that doesn't mean we may not go down in a natural disaster. It doesn't mean that a flood or an earthquake or a tornado or a fire may not, may not hit us. It doesn't mean that. But it means our souls will be secure. Our souls will be safe because we have chosen to respond to the love of God, to a God who was willing to sacrifice everything to save a world from its, its evil. A number of years ago, I lived in North Dakota. I was a pastor there. I pastored uh, four churches. I would preach two times, one weekend, one Sabbath, two times the following week. Drove around quite a bit. Felt like I was a circuit rider way out in the high prairies. Well, one, one particular day, and I was, living in a, I was living in a little town. You've probably never heard of this, the name of this town. Anybody ever hear of Lair, North Dakota? Does that name ring a bell? Lair, uh, still there today. It's about 200 people that lived in that town. It was right on the edge of a vast prairie full of miles and miles and miles of, uh, of fields. The word Lair, I was told, means empty in German. And that's where I lived. Lived right in the corner of town for two years. And one day I wanted to go ride my bike and get some exercise. And I walked out of my front door and I looked down the horizon and I could see just for miles. I mean, there were sunflower fields and probably wheat and barley and you could just see a long way away. Now, unlike here in, in Idaho, in North Dakota, you can see on a clear day, you can see a storm miles and miles away. And so when I, when I walked out of my house, I wanted to go ride my bike and there was a, a road that came right out from my house or right from the, the neighborhood there and it went down for miles to the next town. And I looked and I saw way down there, I don't know, probably 20 miles away, uh, I saw a storm. I saw some lightning flashing way down there and some rain coming way down there. But it was a long way away from me. And I thought, I'm gonna go ride my bike. So I got onto my bike and I started riding toward the storm but I, I thought I'll ride for a mile or two, then I'll come back and the storm will stay a long way away. Well, that was a mistake. I got about two miles down the road, the wind was taking me down, and then I thought I need to turn around and go back. And it didn't take long, all of a sudden that storm moved over to where I was and it was right on top of me. Right on top of me. And it was raining, it started raining hard and lightning was flashing right around me, and I tell you, I was, uh, I was pretty scared. 
I thought, oh my, what have I gotten myself into? Lord, have mercy on me. And there was no place to go. I mean, there were no trees in the area that I could get under. I was on a main highway out in the middle of nowhere. And now I've got rain coming all around me and I've got lightning flashing. And so what do you do in, in a situation like that? <laughs> you pray. <laughs> That's right. And I prayed. I prayed, God, please, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize this storm was going to come over here so quickly. I'm in trouble. Please get me out of this. Well, thank the Lord. In a very short time, there was a pickup truck that came up right behind me. And the guy pulled on over, and he rolled his window down, and he said, put your bike in the back and get in. And I, he didn't have to ask me twice. <laughs> so we, I grabbed my bike, stuck it in the back. His, he opened the door, and I got in. And uh, I don't know, I never met that man. Uh, once he dropped me off at my house in a short time, the, the truck didn't just disappear, you know, when I turned around to thank him, there was no... You know, I can't tell you that kind of a story. I don't know if that man was an angel. I don't know if he was just a nice guy. I don't know. But as I look back at that, uh, to me, there's a big lesson in that. And that when the storm comes, when the storm hits, when the lightning flashes, when the rain comes down, whatever crisis or trial or struggle we find ourselves in in the closing days of this world's history, the good news is that God has a pickup truck just for you. God has a place of refuge just for you. God has a shelter in the midst of the storm just for you and your family. And that shelter is a man, and that man is Jesus Christ himself. He took the evil of the world. And I tell you, it was bad. What Jesus went through in Gethsemane and on the cross, it was bad. It was worse than anything we'll ever go through, ever. Whatever suffering or trials or sorrow we'll ever experience, Jesus went through much, much, much more. And one of these days, and here's my last slide, when he comes, when he is done punishing the world for its evil, when he's done with his work of just judgment, and he gets rid of the devil, and he gets rid of cancer, and he gets rid of sin, and he gets rid of all evil, I tell you, it's going to be better than you can possibly imagine. And the most important decision that we can ever make is to choose while we still have a few days left is to make our choice to respond to the love of God and to the mercy of Jesus Christ and to what he went through on the cross. And as he says, come my people, enter the chambers so you can be protected, so your soul will be protected when the Lord comes out of his place to punish the world for its evil. I'm looking forward to being in a place that's, um, that's heaven. <laughs> Doesn't that sound good to you? Let's not make any mistakes. Your soul is the most important thing that you have. And if you 
don't choose Jesus, you've made a horrible mistake. And eventually, you'll end up in a lake of fire and you'll be burned up and you'll be gone with all the sin of the world and you'll miss, you'll miss everything. Don't do that. Don't do it. I, I plead with you. Put Jesus first in your life today and if you'll do that, you'll never be sorry forever and ever and ever and ever. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Father in heaven, I pray that you will wake us up as a people to what's happening in the world and what's coming. I pray that you will help us to realize that these are the closing days, just like before the flood in the days of Noah, just like in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, before the fire fell, we're in the closing hours of human, of human history. And you are calling us into the ark. You're calling us to Jesus to be protected so our souls will be safe when everything goes. Lord, please, may we all be there together in the new earth, not one of us missing. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast with Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel message with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting broadcasts just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7 or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support, and may God richly bless your day.